0: Hey, brother, there's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, sister, know the water's sweet, but blood is thicker. Oh, the sky... Welcome to the Reform Brotherhood. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug.
1: I'm Tony. And I'm Jesse. Brother... I'm going to have a
0: brother. I've always dreamed about having a brother. If you'd like to join our brotherhood, you can join our Facebook group. You can email us at reformbrotherhood at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at reformedbrohood.
1: You can also subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Hey, brother. Hey,
0: brother. Hey, brother-in-law. Hey, brother. Hey, brother.
1: Conrad, what's going on?
0: Eh, not much, just hanging out here in the studio, and Jesse, you shut up, and I guess we're doing a podcast. We are doing a podcast, and right in this very moment,
1: Tony is basically buried under a mountain of snow, so Conrad, Talos, and I are hanging out, living the dream. Doesn't get much better than this.
0: Yeah, Star Wars came out last night. Yeah, Star Wars. I don't know. Yeah, kind of last night. It's supposed to come out on Friday, but... Midnight shows are technically supposed to be Friday mornings, but then it's everything's just been moving up. Kind of like Black Friday, how Black Friday used to be on Friday, but now it's open on Thursday. It's the same thing with movie releases. So we actually watched it at nine o'clock on Thursday.
1: Really? Yeah. So there's like movie release inflation. Like every, yes. everything is like just kind yeah. of seeping into the the next day.
0: Yeah, because it's just so much easier for um for movie theaters to start instead of doing midnight show, and just do one show and have all your staff like up for one thing. It, it just it made a lot more sense for movie theaters just to start at eight. I think that eight eight o'clock is the new midnight.
1: It's the new midnight. Yeah. Just like thirty is the new twenty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And. Thanksgiving is the new Black Friday. <laughs> it's the new Black
1: Friday. So we're recording this on Saturday, and I was hoping I was going to be able to get to you before you saw this movie, but being that you, as far as I can tell, are like a complete Star Wars expert on like all things Star Wars, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You've already seen this movie and probably have like a very solid, like philosophical critique yes. of everything that happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's all I do. Um, yeah, it's... it's because it's a, it's a prequel to Episode Four, the original one, um, they just there's a lot that they had to kind of do. Not just that it's a prequel, but it's the first one that is not a part of the main saga. This is the first standalone thing. So Disney is like they have to set up these standalone films and set the tone of, hey, we're going to release a Star Wars movie every single year. Can we do this? And can we do something that's not a popcorn? Star Wars thing that's based around like the typical hero's journey. And this is I'm not giving anything away because this is basically from the um, from the trailers and from the premise. It's basically a heist movie. Hmm. And so it's not like it's not the here's the special person that grows up and doesn't believe in themselves and then finds that they're special and they have these powers and then they save the universe because that basically is every single hero Um, origin story from like the matrix to Harry Potter to everything Um, you know what is the special thing that you can do that no one else can do that you can save the entire universe with
1: right which is basically like we're like we're already into theology like a type of Christ like every story
0: in some way follows
1: that that arc in in a slightly different way
0: yeah so (laughs) the Bible is the ultimate hero's journey There's a there's a youth group sermon in there for some, there somewhere. De-
1: there's definitely. I'm surprised there hasn't been a translation of the Bible that is titled that Bible colon, the ultimate hero's yeah. journey. <laughs> that is fantastic. So we were, I was excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on, Conrad. Sure. Have a little conversation in Reformed Brotherhood style. And the first thing I wanted to throw out there is this question, which is totally a weird question to ask somebody. But it is, why might some people know you, know your name? What, what's your story?
0: So back in the 90s, I was in this uh, Christian punk rock band called Goody Hook. And um, we were a pop punk band r- hitting right at the right time where pop punk was making it big. And for those of you who don't know, pop punk is really, think of the Ramones or basically Beach Boys type music with um, distorted guitars. Super catchy just fast just fun. No technicality and just all about the vocals all about harmonies and all about being catchy. So um, We got signed to tooth and nail of like pretty early on. We were the second punk rock band um, And so I helped uh, I was a main songwriter and the guitarist for uh, the first two albums and so we went on, you know, sold a bunch of records, went on a bunch of tours. And so that's how people mainly knew me. But then uh, we actually got too popular to um, popular enough to go f- touring full time. But me being the oldest in the band, I already had my accounting degree and I already had an accounting job. So. Um, uh, so I left and um, it, it was a mutual thing because the band, you know, they can still be a band and um, I can still do my accounting thing. And also I was going to seminary at the same time. so. Uh, that happened in 97, so like almost 20 years ago, which is just ridiculous to think about. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in uh, 99 is when I started uh, Decapolis.com, which was basically a music magazine slash um, theology site. And because ever since I was 19, uh, kind of like my second year in college, that's when I learned about this thing called Perform theology and Calvinism, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, everyone's wrong! <laughs> I can prove everyone wrong." <laughs> and that's that's kind of what that's kind of what got me into it. Like, you know, I liked it because it was right, but then the pride, you know, thing for kicked sure. in, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I want to argue with everybody!" For sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so then, um, me being like knowing that what I, I was taught was totally wrong, like this whole time. And, you know, I, here's something I th- finally was like, oh, this is biblical. This makes sense. Um, that's when I, I really wanted to make sure that I knew it backwards and forwards. Um, but, um, but back to the original question is that's somewhere around there. Um, I started uh, Decapolis.com and uh, it was we did a lot of music reviews and, and uh, it was pretty legit. Like, you know, record labels would send us their CDs and we would review them. you know not just christian labels but you know we would get the metallica cd and whatever um and at the same time like i was writing a bunch of um theological articles like super practical stuff um nothing too heady just for uh my audience were kids that listen to cool music and um that's that's who i i was really kind of catering to um But after a while, like all those doing all those music reviews is so pointless. You know, it's just like after five years of doing that, it's like, who cares about the new record? And like, I stopped caring about bands and, you know, the newest, latest band, because my theory is everyone by the time that they're like twenty two. They've already listened to like the ninety percent of the bands that they're ever gonna listen to. So like people connect with what they listen, like what they grew up with with in their childhood. That's usually like what they stick with. And right. then for the rest of the time, like, yeah, you might hear some new bands, but the majority of the you know it, you've already kind of established your music genres. Um so I, I just kind of got sick of that. So I eventually completely dropped all music stuff. And then it became only. It became a devotional. Like I started uh, rearranging all my articles into devotionals, and then um, uh, I, I, that eventually turned into what I uh, I rebranded it as fast God stuff. After I figured out, oh, you know what, um, I need to make these things like really short. Making them into devotionals was my first attempt at making things short, and then um, then I started getting into uh, just trying to pare it down from from there. So mainly people know me from back in the day from the band, but then some people started knowing me from Decapolis when it was kind of like a music thing. And then ever since then, people don't know who I am. <laughs> and now it's just like, oh, the the Darth Vader, you know, videos on theology.
1: Which are outstanding, which Thank are definitely you. outstanding. I think describing punk rock as the Beach Boys with distorted guitars (laughs) is is by far the best description I've ever heard for
0: that genre. Uh, I think that uh, that might have actually started with the Ramones. They might have actually, either they did it or somebody explained that to them. So that's something that's always kind of stuck out to me as that's what pop punk is.
1: So if you haven't heard Goaty Hook, you really should just stop the podcast right now. Like this is my Christmas gift to you. Stop the podcast (laughs) right now. Go to iTunes, go to YouTube look it up what is like the song that you feel like encapsulates Cody hook the best so um, i'll put you on the spot
0: okay there was this one called uh, on the first record there's this one called Ookla the punk and it's just super ridiculous like over the it's top awesome. just like just dumb like our music was dumb i was trying to write the dumbest songs the silliest songs possible you know and the other gu- other guys were completely on board with that like at at the beginning i just wanted uh, I grew up on the Dead Milkman and violent Femmes, and I didn't really grow up on punk rock. And they were just like fun bands, yeah. So, um, and our stage, uh, when we were on stage, we were just trying to be the biggest idiots ever, and that's that's what I'm gifted at. <laughs> <laughs> I can be an absolute idiot on stage. Like in real life, I'm not that funny, and I'm not that crazy. But the moment you put like the moment somebody whoops out a camera, or puts me on stage, I just can't help it but i'm just this idiot that had just had to jump around and make an idiot out of himself so that's what connected with kids kind of like um how a lot of kids bl- uh, grew up on blink 182 just because they were just snot nose kids that's kind of like what we were like we were t- and we that's how we connected with kids uh or our audience that listened to us because we were just dumb and um people loved coming to our shows and people liked stupid silly songs um but on on the opposite side of that, I would write completely I would write the silliest songs and then the most serious songs. So on the first record, it's like I have these totally dumb songs about nothing. And then I would have a song about um a, a kid who's dying in his father's arms. and then ultimately because the the song was about faith. and um, so I just had a there was an artistic side of me and there was a stupid side of me and it all came out in the band and it really, it was, it was good chemistry for, for us. Um, so that's, I, I I don't know where I was going with this. I forget. <laughs> that
1: is why everybody needs to go on YouTube and oh, look that's it up right. because yeah. it's awesome. You need to go on YouTube, look it up, turn up your speakers, open up your windows, let your neighbors know what's going on. Yeah, it, it's really fantastic. It's definitely the best use of your time. So pause this now. Go because it'll make a whole lot more sense. You'll you'll love everything that we're saying a lot more if you listen. To, give a listen to some of that music. So then, being that that was your background, how did you come into kind of understanding the Reformed tradition and the doctrines of grace? Like, what was it that Brought all that into your life, that kind of adventure of, like you said, getting into it.
0: So this is actually like halfway. I, I, there's no, not going to be anybody else who has this, this story. Um, my dad just sat uh, us down with uh, his, his two brothers and their families. It was like a clan thing. He invited everybody over and said, hey, I just discovered basically this thing called reform theology. And he went through Calvinism. And he just went through the tulip thing and we were all like, what in the world is this stuff? You know, and so we were just sat down and presented this as a clan. And then immediately we were all on board with it. Like, you know, even my cousins and I and I was 19 and my cousins were younger than me. Um, but everyone kind of got it um, because we all grew up in a like a more fundamentalist church the church was awesome because like we knew our Bible verses and Bible books of the Bible better than every other kid that went to any other church. So there was, we had a great background with that. It was just, the theology was, uh, you know, just traditional Armenianist and whatever. And so when we were presented with this, um, it, it, it made a lot of sense immediately. Um, and then from then on, um, I just started to, uh, I looked into it for myself and then I, I'm my mind just works where I can't... If I have a question against something, I have to figure out what the answer is as if I was going to present it to somebody. So, um, like, Einstein kind of always has his thought experiments, you know, and to me, that's kind of like how... Like, I can see how that would happen because I just... That happens to me about anything like it doesn't have to be about theology it could be about like you know why the you know the star wars thing if i'm talking to somebody what would i say to you know make this thing make sense i'm always analyzing everything so i'm just you know be sitting in the shower and i'm like working these things out like what would my response to this argumentative hole be and i think that's just part of being um analytical and critical where you don't just go oh yeah I, i believe it because that guy said it and i like that guy you know <laughs>
1: right exactly so how's that like influenced since that time? Since you've really kind of come into those things and have processed them, how's that like influenced the ministries that you do now, or even like the music, the whole piece? Because you got like a lot of people would think these are like really disparate things. It's like a ketchup popsicle, like ketchup is great, popsicles are great together. It's kind of a weird combination. You come from like a really diverse, interesting background between the music and the reformed theology. Like, n- most people are not thinking of like punk rock reformed theology, which. We definitely need to get to that. You you definitely need to to talk about that.
0: So something I learned really early on is people don't want to hear about Calvinism. People want to go, um, why am I lonely? You know, why can't I find that special someone? Um, And why do I have why does my mom have cancer? Stuff like that. But I found that, you know, you can only answer those things if you have a completely good basis of your theology and to me because ultimately Reformed theology is the sovereignty of god that's just absolute bottom line um and if you don't understand the sovereignty of god then you don't understand you won't completely understand why does my mom have cancer so you have to start off with the sovereignty of god for anything else to make sense in life so all things work together for good of them that love god and who are called according to his purpose only works with Calvinism, uh, and Reformed theology, if, if all things work together for good and you could still lose your salvation, well, then you can't really, that, that verse doesn't really hold up. Right. So even though I don't address it when I, you know, go over my stuff of like, if God is good, why is there suffering? And, you know, uh, how God grows you. Um, in my mind, I have those things already worked out, but I don't try to bog people down with those things. If they, you know, kind of reverse engineer the question and actually think broader which they never do um then yeah i can explain that to them but you know in all my small groups and all that stuff it never people just want to go how how can i get to the next day right you know um but if they ever want to go deeper then you know i have those questions that have those answers for them but uh it's really rare that somebody wants to go into like the deeper things
1: and this goes back to this idea that we're, we're all theologians. It's not just like we're trying to, some people have a certain penchant for thinking about things in different ways or enjoy philosophy or enjoy more nuanced or practical or technical pieces of theology. But it's this idea that we all are living out the outworkings of what we believe. And so we can maybe coddle ourselves by thinking, well, I, there's certain things I don't really need to process because really everything's fine or I've lived this way and, and I feel very comfortable. So either when there's times of trial Or we find that we're living in such a way that we're off track because we're not following biblical standards. So what I love is like the emphasis that you're putting on actually processing that stuff. Like it's worthwhile. We're not just trying to say, well, you should like theology because I like theology. But God has given us theology as a gift of revealing his character and his person so that we can have right living because we have right thinking.
0: Yeah. And you really nailed it that basically everyone and and R.C. Sproul has a book called Everyone's a Theologian because it's totally true. Right now, it's not um, because people think theology is like just the study, but just any idea that you have of God or of the universe, that is your theology. And then um, how you live that out is kind of like the practical side of it. But everybody's a theologian. Now the question is: Are you a good theologian or are you a correct theologian? So somebody who goes into you know their um, their their car breaks down and they uh, they're a Christian and they go oh um, does uh, and they complain about it. Well, th- at that point they've already lived out their theology. Right. For one thing, you know, hopefully they know that in everything give thanks. Well, they just ignored that. Or all things work together for good. Well, then now they don't have faith in that. So it's just. Um, They're living out their theology without them knowing it and without them defining it as theology. But really, that's what their theology is.
1: Absolutely. We can't hide from it. Our actions are always betraying the fact that we do believe something, whether or not we want to articulate it or take the time to articulate
0: it. Yeah. And as a band um, back in the 90s, this was the the kind of the most annoying part of being a Christian band is everyone always had expectations of what a Christian band was supposed to do. And um, it was always you have to preach from stage and that was a completely armenian thing to say because well what if i'm a, you know we're just a bunch of kids you know wh- what are we going to say that's actually going to change anybody's lives and um, should you know what's the whole purpose of being a band so if you're an armenian really the highest good that you can achieve is witnessing and evangelism and, and evangelism and then like the discipleship and stuff like that become secondary. Like and basically you boil everything down to it, just like the that's the absolute only thing you should be doing right. is, is evangelism and you should be doing nothing else. So we came across a lot of times when we if we wouldn't preach from stage, then people like the the promoters were like, What are you guys doing? You're a Christian band. It's so like <laughs> You didn't hire us to preach from stage. We're not pastors or anything, you know? And and that again is going back to that. Everyone's a theologian. um, That's their theology was like, oh, anybody that who gets on stage is supposed to be preaching. Right. And it's like, um, well, no, we're, you know, and and in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm a Calvinist and and you're Armenian. And so that (laughs) that that actually affects what art is. Like, can you actually have art, you know, as for i don't want to say for art's sake but in in uh in a way that just is glorifying to god in and of itself because god created the universe and the universe is already uh glorifying to god so i can sing about cows if i want to because god cows are glorifying to god right or do i have to preach and the only thing that is glorifying to god is the gospel message so that, that's another case of theology without people even kind of knowing it and that's also a case of calvinism or armenianism without people even knowing it. exactly and most people don't even know that they're armenian um and um that's kind of the thing too it's like if somebody i don't really have a problem with armenians if they can explain it biblically but a lot of people will just kind of go you know they haven't they've never looked into it or they're like oh it doesn't matter it's just like and that's the thing that bugs me the most is when somebody says oh it doesn't matter because we're all going to heaven and it's just like well It doesn't matter for that one thing of, you know, yeah, we're going to both go to heaven. But don't you think your worship of God matters? Absolutely. Yeah. And like your understanding of God, your praise and thanks is that's that's ultimately the highest good that we can achieve is to love God, which is praise, thanks and obedience. And praise and thanks are like, well, you can two people are going to have two different praises of God if you're Calvinist or Mm Arminian. And it's like, well, one's right, and one's wrong, you know, and don't you think that that would be important for you if loving God and glorifying God is the highest goal that we can achieve to actually figure out what God did in the story of salvation, the hero's journey.
1: (laughs) The the hero's (laughs) journey. And I think that's one of the reasons why God has given us this opportunity to interact with other people that have somewhat different theological bents is partly because to remind us that we are to work out our our salvation with fear and trembling, like Philippi- a too, Philippians too. And that that helps us to sharpen one another. We ought to be thinking particularly about certain things. And you're right. The worship of God is is a highest end to enjoy him and to worship him and to praise him. And so if we're not doing that well, or not being thoughtful about that, at least, like mm-hmm. we just kind of come in as consumers. I know a lot of that gets wrapped up in music, which I'm sure have experienced through time. And I've actually thought a lot about what you were just saying in terms of art itself. Like there's, in fact, Paul gives warnings to teachers that say not everybody should be a teacher. Like to be a teacher is a very serious thing. Yeah. It comes with his own sense of accountability. And the wonderful thing in my own life was, I mean, Godie Hook was like crazy influential for a lot of people, including myself. And it's just good, clean, fun music. Like there's a lot of heavy stuff in there, but there's also just a lot of enjoyment of life and art and music for the sake of that. So mm-hmm. You can, I've thought about this before, where you could be listening to something just downright awful, like awful lyrics, awful worldview. And there'll be like a hook or something in that song that will give me pause and just think like, that's glorious. Like God made music by design. So even Mm -hmm. these people that may try by their words to blaspheme him are in some way actually praising him because they're using the very medium he created to do this thing that they think is actually winning some kind of battle against him. Yeah.
0: And also, like, if you look at the Old Testament, God used heathens non-Jewish people, whatever, um, to build a temple, you know, as the artist. So in God's mind, like he wanted like all the the sculpturing and like all like the the artistic type of things um, during the rebuilding of the temple. A lot of them were non-Jewish people. And, um, you know, so to God, it's like all that stuff is already glorifying to God, like these mediums that he created, like music and all this stuff. And yeah, it, like you're exactly right. like. Some people might not give glory to God, but that doesn't mean that music is now somehow not glorifying to God.
1: Right. In the same way that atheists will use all these, the powers of logic and deduction, their skillful thinking, which is what God has given to deny him. So there's like amazing amount of irony there. Yeah. But one of the things that I, so this is one of the best things, honestly, I've seen in a long time is the way you have actually served to bridge punk rock and calvinism straight <laughs> straight up because this is brilliant people need to go see this but you've got to talk about the calvinists
0: yeah so the calvinist it has been it's a it's punk rock and where all i'm doing it's i'm just going through tulip i'm just going so far i have the four out of the five songs written um told your Pravity, unconditional l like and i and i and i still have the p to go um but it's just i explain each letter you know it's it's part of it by itself in a punk rock song, like full on punk rock. It's awesome, like annoying punk rock. No, you know? it's, it's
1: fantastic.
0: So um, and it's fast and it's, you know, harmonies and it's super catchy. And it's just been to me, like when I got the idea, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's going to be the funniest thing ever. You know, it, to me, in my mind, being able to like mix it, too, it's just I love irony. Like to me, like things like um, Airplane and Naked Gun, those are like like the pinnacle of and and Monty Python like all those things the absurd ironic humor is like what appeals to me so to do something authentically but then with a complete like uh, with a completely different like thing like genre in mind um so be as complete authentic punk rock as possible and then to marry it with something that most people th- complete uh, think is dry or you know just like too heady um and then just kind of make it fun and that that's just uh it's been a really uh, i've really enjoyed doing that
1: yeah it's fantastic everybody i've learned has a punk rock shaped hole in their life somewhere <laughs> and this is this is going to fill it also if you're like one of those people that's like listen i'm only into like extreme like somnody and hymns like i'm looking at you presbyterians this is also <laughs> for you because Actually, seriously, the lyrics on this are really tight. Like all they're I'm all doing, point.
0: all I do is basically um, sing Bible verses. I know it's great. Like I'll set up the first couple lines in the verse is like, okay, what is what does total depravity mean? Or like I ask a question that sets up what the actual concept is especially for somebody that might not be familiar. But then I just start singing Bible verses for the rest of the time. The chorus typically is me singing Total Depravity or Unconditional Election or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and then the bridge is where I usually save it for um, like the big cell point, like, uh, like uh, Romans 9. Why
1: don't we just listen to it?
0: Okay, so um, this is Unconditional Election and here is the chorus. And then you'll basically hear me sing Unconditional Election and some Bible verses traditional
1: So good. We clearly need to have you do like the official theme song for this podcast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, like after this is done, I want to do another project. I don't know, like Martin Luther and the Reformation, you know, something like that. I love it. Where I just, because, you know, I'm going to run out of stuff for the Calvinists because I want to end at P, at Tulip. That's it. And that'll be done. And then I want to move on to the next thing of just something crazy. <laughs>
1: It's it's brilliant though, right? Because here's the thing: like in a world where like Reformed theology has increasingly become more in vogue again, mm-hmm. you can just slap like Reformed on like everything. It's yeah. in front of everything now. I have yet to see like Reformed rock. Like this is to me like totally untouched space.
0: Yeah. And uh, oh my gosh, it's so much fun, you know. And that's the it's thing: like to listen to. All, all I care about, I only care about two things in life. Um, well, three things. Okay, it's music theology and then there's sci-fi in there so i i I don't know how i can work sci-fi into it but um just the mixing the music and the theology actually i've worked in music and sci-fi before the last uh song that my wife and i did it's a song about a specific episode in star trek next generation and it's really really nerdy (laughs) it's like the nerdiest song ever
1: the music is really good so i've listened to this song a couple of times and I do feel like that because there's got to be like some crazy level of understanding that's totally lost on me yeah. because I'm not sure what's going on, but whatever it is, it's brilliant in the yeah. lyrics.
0: Well, I actually um, reference Mr. Worf, who's the Klingon guy, and then I uh, the first name Beverly, who's the, the, the ship's doctor, and uh, it's super specific. And if nobody knows the episode, well, then it just sounds like a good song. But then, uh, hopefully, a good song. And then it uh, is a good song. But having it completely nerdy, um, it's just that's I don't know that's fine. So that's that's something I really like doing. I really like music, theology, and sci-fi. So I kind of like use. I try to like mix the two, uh, mix two of the three. And one of these days, I want to do um, is the force anything like God. I actually did a um, like a five. Uh, no, it actually, ended up being like an eight minute thing of is the force anything like God. Um, Before I trimmed everything down to a minute. Um, But at that point, I was like, I actually had it edited and everything. And at that point, I was like, nobody's watching this stuff. Because I used to do, before Fast God stuff, which basically right now is one minute videos where I explain something. It used to be me in front of a, you know, me explaining something for like five to seven minutes. Which I thought was going to be fast enough for, you know, people to listen to things. That, you know, people won't listen to R.C. Sproul talk for 26 minutes. But... Maybe they'll listen to something that's five to seven minutes. And um, after doing like a few of those, I was like, oh, man, nobody cares. (laughs) That's almost my motto in life is nobody cares. The Internet is fickle. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I, you know, I started paring it down. But, yeah, the very last unreleased video I did was, uh, is the force anything like God? But to get to that point, I actually had to prove that God existed, which I was able to do really fast, because to me, that's that's really easy. And I I can do that in a minute. Um, But then to have that on top of is a force, anything like God, that was just too much. I mean, it was fun for me, you know, to to do. But, you know, at that point, I was like, okay, well, I need to make these things a lot shorter. So I scrapped that one. But one of these days I'm going to do that and also um, talk about the prime directive from Star Trek because the prime directive.
1: That I'm familiar with. Yeah, (laughs) that that is like the granddaddy, right? Of like. Star Trek concepts.
0: Yes, yes. That's their that's their highest moral law according to Captain Picard is the Prime Directive, which is basically non-interference with other species and other cultures. Um, but uh, where it sounds fine on some level, on another level, it just becomes moral laziness, where it's like, oh, we could save these people from destruction. Oh, I guess we can't. The Prime Directive prevents us. We're going to have to let them die. What's the whole purpose of having a moral code if you can't save people? You know? And so that's just that's one of those things where I want to like address Address it from a biblical standpoint one day and go, you know, cause the, it, the parallel to that to me it, in some ways is the Sabbath. It's like, well, what does the Sabbath exist for? If not to do good, you know, it's right, like, right the, what, it, why does the prime directive exist if it's not to do good? Uh, so what's the purpose of it? So, um, yeah, that's something that's always kind of bothered me, um, that I, I like to address things that bug, bug me. <laughs>
1: First, that should be a bumper sticker. Like, why have a moral code if you can't save anybody? That that should definitely be a bumper sticker. And second, people are, like, throwing their phones and their podcast players, like, in delight that you just mentioned, like, the Prime Directive on this thing.
0: Whoa! Wait, what?
1: People are throwing their phones in delight that you mentioned the Prime Directive, because that's just, like, we've covered already, like, a huge amount of space here. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, like, I, I'm a big, huge nerd, and um, I just... But the thing is, I like philosophy too. So I'm whenever I watch something, it's all about philosophy and theology. So certain things, sometimes I can like pause that and um and not allow it to bug me. Um, but other times, I just go, "What's right and what's wrong with this?" And because something like Star Trek, really, that's just based in pluralism, where basically it's. An American philosophy everybody's right you know what I believe is right what you believe is right everybody's right and I can't say you know I can't say what you think is wrong um, because you know we both have the right to believe whatever we want and so in some ways I really like watching it because I get to analyze it and go oh that's right or that's wrong um, so for the most part I can uh, I like watching those things. Usually, the only time that things really bother me is when they start adding theology to it. and then um then they then it kind of gets out of hand. Um, sometimes that really bugs me. So
1: I, I hear that. So you produce like a lot of wonderful content. So music, but also, I wanted to hear more about the stuff fast God stuff that you have online, mm-hmm. especially because you just released one of these short videos in which I believe Darth Vader answers the question, is Joel Osteen wrong? So tell us about like, what's what's the purpose of these? Like what what is kind of your goal? What's your ministry with them? And where can people find all that stuff?
0: Okay, so Fast God stuff basically um, evolved out of Um, this philosophy that I have of nobody cares (laughs) 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 and like you know just most Christians they don't even do devotions it's like the absolute minimum they don't do like they can barely read a chapter you know whatever so um, and also on top of that you have the American culture that is very it's like to the point it's Snapchat like 10 seconds like a minute was too long whereas before I was trying to do you know like people like you and me we'll sit down and watch a John Piper thing or Ravi Zacharias thing whatever and we'll listen for a half an hour we'll go to the next video whatever most people aren't like that and um, most people especially when they're on the internet which is where like I'm trying to reach people uh, it's all short attention span so I tried to boil things down is as low as it can go and as quick as it can go to its lowest common denominator and explain that. And to answer a question like, if God is good, why is there suffering? Uh, what is, what is my calling? Um, uh, what is heaven? Like all those things I tried to boil down into a minute. And um, that to me is um, where I found out people will actually listen. Cause I used to try to boil it down to five minutes and that was still too long for everyone. Um, and it's just, people don't want that on the internet. You know, yeah. There's always going to be people, be people like you and me, but the vast majority of Christians don't care. Right. They, 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 it's you're competing against cat videos. <laughs> so, how can I compete against cat videos? Cat videos <laughs> are the enemy. <laughs> They're so cute, you know. So that's like really that's what like our competition is. It's yeah. not necessarily with bad theology a lot of times. It's just against christians just wasting their time right uh and trying to make things that people will actually want to listen to because for the most part you know everyone's on facebook and just you know messing around like and looking at funny things and that's really a lot of times what we're up against we're not we're not up against satan half the times we're up against people just you know entertainment wanting to be entertained right so that's kind of how um it came down to this and also i realized people don't want to watch me like, who's this random Asian guy? You know, who cares what this guy has to say? Oh, but if I have Darth Vader saying in a silly voice, oh, then people will listen. To <laughs> I'm all over that. <laughs> so, you know, that's I figured out. OK, you know, what? I'm just going to have. And if you've never seen the videos, it's like literally two action figures talking to each other. Like the latest one, C-3PO, comes up and talks to Darth Vader and says, excuse me, sir, is always seen wrong? And then I just go into like a deeper voice. My fake Darth Vader voice is just like, oh, oh, oh. you know, that's, that's all I do for a minute and explain things. And then I boil it down to like, it's absolute lowest common denominator of like, this is actually what prosperity gospel is. And so, yeah, I had to listen to like his stuff to kind of, um, try to figure out how he does things and then, um, then like boil it down. So, you know, I looked up, you know, John Piper's, you know, things, and you know, R.C. Sproul's, like Legionaire stuff, of you know, this is prosperity gospel, but it didn't really address how Joel Osteen does things and why so many Christians, including a lot of people I know, um, are kind of like, oh, he's a good guy, he has some good stuff to say. It's because on the surface, he's using the same language that we are. Similar, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, he says, you know, you have to have faith, right. Well yeah, you have to have faith but well what's your definition of faith and it's just and he'll say you know God you know won't you know forget his promises well yeah, that's right God right. won't forget his promises but then you listen further and like, oh his promises are what has he promised yeah to be rich to be to get that promotion to get out of debt. Right. like it's it's all the all those things so you know you have to kind of put take all his quotes take you know all his stuff and then go, okay well what is he actually? what is the core thing that he's trying to do and trying to preach? And um, that that's always the trick is to boil it down to its lowest common denominator, because in a minute I can say 170 words. So it's almost like a tweet in some ways. Like as I'm writing these things out, I have I keep my word count and I go, oh, well, I'm at like 150 words. Okay, well, I have enough for inclusion. Or if I'm at 170, it's like I got to cut this out and then. But it's, it's 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 a good exercise at being efficient and not being supportive for us at uh, at stuff. Because and but now it's like now I can really hardly listen to a sermon because because <laughs> whenever some, you know, a pastor says something, I don't need three examples of why, you know, how, you know, it, what the difference between the East and the West is, you know, like he has right. removed our transgressions like whatever. Like okay, well, for one thing, does it need an example? Like okay, people get it. But now, if they don't, if they leave something and they have to explain it to the audience of like, here's an example of the east uh, as far as from the west. Well, just give me one example. You don't have to go to the second or the third one. And that's when it really starts to bug me because I have now this philosophy of efficiency, you know. Um, But. But anyways, that that's what my fast God stuff is. So it's one minute stuff, really fast with Darth Vader answering these questions. And I'm trying to make them as practical as possible. Um, and that's kind of like the trick because um what I like, what I listen to with the questions that I ask aren't necessarily what the questions that a random cat video person, a random, you know, person Christian is going to be asking. So that to me is kind of like the trick. Like the thing that surprised me, the um, the ones that I think are the most practical, like if God is good, then why do I suffer? Or, you know, how does, you know, uh, why do I suffer? Um, that to me is completely applicable to Christians. But those are the ones that don't get any traction. The one that got the most traction was um, old earth creationism um, where, and that one got five times as many views as all the other ones. And so that's kind of like the trick is just trying to figure out well what does, okay what what is important that I need to talk about, but at the same time what do what are Christians actually trying to uh, trying to ask, and uh, where are they at, and just trying to f- find those things out, out. So like the last thing is Joel's new one because I think it's really um, relevant because there's mm-hmm. so many Christians sure. like you see Christians like quoting from him and you're like right. oh, don't you know what he believes and it's right. just like. <laughs> Uh, I actually, uh, it's kind of a story Um, at what I, my wife and I lead two small groups that are at our, uh, at our church. And um, one small group, I just, I wanted, you know, everyone to analyze like a bunch of quotes and tell me, you know, what's right or wrong about it. So I, you know, uh, listed a bunch of quotes and we kind of analyzed each one. And then I was at the end, I was like, okay, which one of these things were, do you think were, um, Joel Osteen? And like, they kind of got the, like, oh, this sounds like Joel Osteen one. And then, uh, you know, they were like, oh, it's probably this one, this one, this one. I was like, guess what? All of them were Joel <laughs> Osteen quotes <laughs> and they were all terrible. You know, it's just, so, um, yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, I, that's something I want to do. I want to be practical with, uh, you know, with the things that I, I present. The videos are
1: great and I think they're a wonderful tool. Everybody should go check them out fastgodstuff.com because even if it's something where you're like, well, I have a pretty solid opinion of what's this particular subject, they're just a wonderful like foil for conversation, like point of interaction with people. Like this is the kind of thing like everybody I think should be sharing on their Facebook just because yeah. <laughs> it's one minute and it draws you into a question and provides like a really succinct answer and a lot more to talk about. But it's a great tool like I don't see anybody else trying to present a concept like that in a way that draws you in that's entertaining. Uh, like, do you find that you'd prefer to hear sermons more from c three p o now or like Darth Vader? Like
0: <laughs> well, I definitely prefer sermons that are that don't get long. Yeah. you know, and to me, here, here's here's the sermon. I guys kind of go off the sermon thing. To me, it's all about the application. You know, so you have to ha- you know, yes, you, you present the gospel and you say, you know, this is this is why you needed faith. Here's God's promises. But then you have to uh, you have to contextualize it for your audience. So um, not just in sermons, but this is what you do for anything. You know, that's the difference between when you teach kids and teach adults, you're contextualizing the gospel. If you use puppets for kids, you know, you're, you're, you're going to do it that for kids, but you're not going to do it for adults. But I am with my videos. Essentially. But anyways, (laughs) um, but yeah, it's it's all about contextualizing. But contextualizing also is a lot of times is so what? Why does this matter to me? How is this going to change my life? So it's great that you told me about, you know, um, that God wants to sanctify me. But unless if you actually go, oh, God can actually sanctify me at a red light. It might not occur to you that that's how God it can sanctify you is yeah. just during these little things. Um, so you can't leave it up to your listener, at least in a sermon, um, when you have that much time. You, you actually have to present them the situations in their life Or of, of, oh, this is where, you know, God might be growing me through sanctification, whatever. And you actually have to bring those things out. So it doesn't matter what your um, your audience is. Um, I think that's like the pastor's job is to not just present the gospel, but contextualize it in a way that's applicable to like their lives.
1: And that is the power of the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's its transformative influence. It's not just head knowledge. It's great to know more things about God. But if those don't lead you to higher or deeper worship of God, then like you said, who cares? Yeah,
0: yeah. If it doesn't change, if the gospel doesn't change you not complaining at a red light, you know, then I mean, what good is it? you know like it has to be it has to be able to affect your entire life you know if faith really is all things work together for good then you have to realize oh that includes when my hot water tank you know breaks down or i get a flat tire or when i get cancer like every single practical part of life is completely tied to the gospel in some way and again back to what we were saying everything is theological um and so everyone's Everyone just has to really figure out what true theology is in order to live their lives better, including hitting a red light. And that's usually like my that that is like one of the hardest things to do in, in, in my life included is just like hit a red light and not not go, oh, man, like for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like you got some red light stories. <laughs> <Yeah. because laughs>
1: that's but that's the thing it's like some people would argue like, well, that, that's a small thing, like get worried about the big fish that you need to fry. your attitude at a red light. But to me, that's symptomatic. Like that's a higher issue. Yeah. And we're not saying that we aren't still plagued with sin that entices us to complain or to be self-centered. But if we're not living a life that is like consistently trying to be marinated in and transformed by what Jesus has done and the freedom that he brings, then you bring up a good point. Like why, why?
0: Yeah. And the, and everything give thanks is like the, the highest, one of the highest commands that I think that could transform a Christian's life if they just remember that's a command. Just like, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And really, because it's it's a subset of love the Lord your God with all your heart, so mind. Um, but if people kind of just have that as their number one thing as they're going through their day, then they won't complain. Because it, it, any time that you don't give thanks is a sin. So any single time you complain about anything, if you go, oh, that's a sin, well, then you might not complain about it because you're breaking an actual commandment
1: right it's reshaping our thinking like entirely in a yeah. way that almost sounds like it's well that's such a burden but that is the beauty of the gospel that the the burden that you bring to jesus one that he bears with you that that empowerment is through the holy spirit not like you have to try harder mm-hmm. or be stronger so all that stuff i think so much of what you, what you do the content you produce moves us in that direction which is why i really really enjoy it. also the punk rock but i mean all, all that stuff yeah. is fantastic <laughs> Again, everybody should listen to that. It's outstanding. This has been the definitive, like, reform theology and punk rock and Star Wars podcast. (laughs) That's what it's become. Nobody has done this. Like, you cannot find this anywhere else. So tell all your friends. So, Conrad, thank you so much for hanging out and talking about all this stuff. Thanks for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it. Do you have any recommendations for any, any of our listeners?
0: Yeah, um two things, two two books that I've read recently. Um Randy Alcorn's book on heaven is amazing. Um most Christians don't have an understanding of what heaven is, and most Christians go, Heaven is a long church service, you know, and um the way that it just it's really hard to focus on eternity when people have no idea what eternity looks like. So um just the quickest way to kind of explain eternity in heaven is just pretend that Adam and Eve didn't sin, you know, because what God is doing isn't throwing out his plan. It's a restoration of his plan. So if you just look at um, what happened during in, in the garden, well, for one thing, it was physical, you know, there was an actual earth, there was gravity, there were molecules. They had Adam and Eve had DNA, like all that stuff. So just think in the future, when you know in the new heaven new earth where heaven descends on onto earth it's actually a physical earth it's not this you know cloud thing and it's not we're just spirits we actually will have a body just like how christ still has his glorified body we will right. ha- and his glorified body is physical so that's kind of like the one of the biggest things is okay for one thing it's going to be physical and then another thing is um what are we going to be doing and well, just, you know, it's not going to be a long church service. What was Adam and what were Adam and Eve going to do? They were naming animals and like planting and doing stuff. And, you know, basically, God created the universe for them to enjoy um and that's like oh really we can enjoy things like what <laughs> yeah. so like what it's, like, it's like my wife and i have like this running joke is like as soon as we you know one of the major things that we're gonna do when we get in heaven is we're gonna establish penguin planet <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have we, a planet we've got to talk about this all of penguins Because <laughs> penguins are awesome penguins are awesome you know. actually yeah so that's just to kind of give you a taste of like trying to understand heaven and actually you know thinking of what's going to happen um I-, I recommend that book you know and it really helps you live your life out better here once you understand like you're living for eternity and also m- what most christians don't understand is um yeah you can everyone if you're a christian you're going to go to heaven but the rewards you have there's differing rewards in heaven and that's what most Christians don't understand is that um, uh, just uh, the, you're, you're rewarded for the good and bad that you do. Well, for Christians, it's for the good that you do. For, for people that go to hell, it's for they're punished according to their deeds. That's Second Corinthians uh, 5.12. So um, just having a good understanding of what heaven is going to be like actually completely affects what you do here on this earth. And also knowing what you're supposed—what affects— your eternity affects what you do now and really just to make it really quick for fast God stuff things it's love God and love others everything boils down to that that's what that affects um, all of it, your your uh, eternal life and what kind of what you do in your position like Whatever stuff like stuff that happens. Um, Some of it is some of it in the book is speculation, but it's healthy speculation. And he flat out says, "Okay, you know what? We don't know exactly what this might mean, but here's what it could mean. Um, But uh, I I recommend that book. And then uh, there's another book called Tactics, and it's about uh, apologetics and how we need to uh, approach apologetics. And it is by Gregory Koukl, K-O-U-K-L uh it's called tactics a game plan for discussing your christian convictions and um it, it's it's a way to approach somebody uh about uh your faith and what things to do and things what, what, what things not to do uh so just to give like a quick example is like whenever somebody says oh, you know what god doesn't exist um i only believe in science and then um you usually feel like you have to prove that god exists well, you're not the one who made that claim. You don't have to refute it. it they, they're the ones who made the statement. So it's up to them. The burden of proof is on them. And what most Christians do is they take the burden of proof on themselves, on something that you know, might, they might be out of the league. But all you have to say is, well, what do you mean by that? And that's like, like that's the first thing he says is whenever somebody says something like that, Don't take the burden of proof on you. Go back to them and go. What do you mean by that? You know, Uh, I believe like like somebody says. I believe that everyone's uh, entitled. Everyone's faiths are true. Then you say, well, what do you mean by that? First, you know, and you get them to start talking, and then you have more stuff to actually work with. And at the same time, a lot of these things they haven't even worked out themselves. Like, you know, um, just, well, how can everyone be true at the same time? Like, once they start to have to explain it, they're like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe that doesn't make any sense. So tactics is a way for people to keep the conversation going, knowing that the end goal in mind is presenting the gospel. So you're trying not to you're trying to keep the conversation going rather than just prove your point. And I think that's where a lot of us um, kind of trip up is. As soon as somebody says something, our first inclination is to prove them wrong or prove our side right when, uh, well, eventually we want to get there, but we we want the relationship to build first. Let's establish the relationship and then let's get to the truth later. So those are the two books that I recommend. Incidentally,
1: for most of my childhood, I was really into penguins, like collecting yeah. <laughs> penguins, like really down with penguins and because they're awesome. But now I know why. It's because I was just developing a healthy theology of heaven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Penguin planet. And we're going to build a Star Trek Enterprise on the way there to get to Penguin Planet. <laughs> so if anybody wants to help me with the, building the Enterprise... That's that's what we're going to that's one of the first projects we're going to be doing.
1: Yeah, I love that. Definitely hit Conrad up with all of your ideas on that. <laughs> your email is going to blow up with people all over that.
0: After a trillion, trillion years, you know, in heaven and us working together and like doing stuff, I'm pretty sure that with our glorified minds, we're going to be able to you know do science way better For sure. than our sinful minds where we're in competition with each other. And, you know, instead of. The U.S. versus Russian space race. Just imagine what we'll be able to do when it's we have glorified minds, and on top of that, we're in full cooperation, and we have trillions of years to do it. You know, trillions upon trillions of years. And that, and when you think about it that way, the entire universe, the entire universe, we're going to be able to visit infinite, you know, an infinite amount of times over. Like, and that's just what's mind blowing to me. So I, uh, that's why I recommend the book because once you start reading it, you st- your imagination really starts to to expand, and then you just start like giggling. <laughs> 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 you're just like, oh, yeah. What, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to build, you know, a roller coaster, you know, and then because to you know, I'm going to make the craziest roller coaster for all like all my Christians and brothers and sisters to enjoy in fellowship and in harmony and whatever. You know, and then, you know what, Jesus is actually going to come one day and kind of come and visit like my stuff. And can you imagine He's what
1: the your coaster? Yeah.
0: Imagine like, oh, Jesus is going to come in three months and like how much fun that's going to be. And like, oh, let's get everything ready. And it's like better than, you know, Christmas of getting lights up. You want to make or having company over. It's just going to be like the greatest, most fun thing to like to prepare for is when you know that, oh, yeah, Christ is actually going to visit your, you know, your little thing that, you know, your farm or whatever you're you're doing. Um, that's just going to be really exciting. So
1: I, I'm already actually really stoked about yeah. that. I'm not even that into roller coasters, but I was like, man, if I can get in line with Jesus, like yeah. he's here. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And I'm thinking, so this is going to have like one of those things where like you you take a picture of people like when they're in like the most crazy spot of this yeah. coaster. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture like what Jesus' pose is going to be. He's yeah. going to be just giving you the wink or yeah. you know, the,
0: the finger point. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that just brings up like what is Christ going to really be like? Yeah, you know? for real. Cause you know when he was with the disciples, you know, like they loved hanging out with him, yes. and he had to have been joking around with them, and you know he was had to have been funner to be around. So yeah, like yeah, what's what's he gonna do when the camera goes off?
1: <laughs> I I can't wait, but I'm glad that we've we'll will had this conversation now. So I, when people are like you know freaking out about the reality, the beautiful reality of that, I can be yeah. like, yeah, comrade, now we already processed yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Back on Earth, I'm ready for that. So, of course, I want to recommend all of Conrad's stuff, which you can find at on FastGodStuff.com. It's fantastic. Go check that out. Conrad, thanks again for hanging out. And I, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from you on the Reformed Brotherhood in the future.
0: Well, thanks for having me.
1: It's our pleasure. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. What if I'm
0: What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Jesse and I are looking at each other really awkwardly in the studio here.
1: Oh, that was, I was supposed to go first. All right. right, Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry, my bad. For some reason, I was thinking it was you first. All right.